Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 7th of February 2011. I always suggest at the very beginning, so they won't pester you all the way through, uh, to go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website and help yourself to the audios I've put up there. There's hundreds to choose from and hopefully I'll help to fill in a lot of blank spots of history and why things are happening now and why things happened in the past and show you the techniques have never really changed, neither have the goals actually. But uh, as I say, help yourself to them. And when you're there, remember too that you're the audience that bring me to you. So I kindly buy the books and discs and so on I have for sale. You'll find out how to do it at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, you can remember, you can actually order using a personal check. You can also use an international postal money order. And you can send cash. You can use PayPal as well to order. Just use the, the donation button and send the appropriate amount, followed by an email with your name, address, and order, and I'll get it out to you. Same across the rest of the world. You've got Western Union, which is a direct wire transfer. Uh, cheaper still is, I think, MoneyGram, which can give you a check to post across. And you can use PayPal again across the world for ordering. And remember, two donations would certainly be uh, uh, acceptable as well, uh, just straight donations, because it takes a lot of cash to keep this going. And this isn't a job, believe you me. It's not one hour a night I come on here and that's it. It takes hours and hours. It's seven days a week, basically, to try and keep ahead of what's really going on and to even maintain the computers and all the rest of it. And It's all time, time, time. There's never enough time in the world to do all the things you want to. So, as I say, donations by themselves, too, would be certainly appreciated because uh, this site, as I say, and this, this show has helped to change even the whole patriot outlook on what's happening in the world instead of just navel-gazing into the America itself, the Americas, as, as they call it now, in fact, uh, I show you why it's all happening and how it's global and how the, there's a whole global agenda underway. And literally, you, you haven't had governments that really were there to serve the public uh, for an awful long time, and that is backed up by the Council on Foreign Relations' own historian, Professor Carl Quigley, who verified that in his book, Tragedy and Hope, and his other one, The Anglo-American Establishment. He said every Prime Minister of Canada and every President of the U.S. Have been, has been members, pre-chosen, of course, for their roles as Prime Ministers and Presidents, uh, since the late 1800s, when they were called a different name by that time. But now it's a CFR for the Americas. Royal Institute of International Affairs for Britain, same organization. And that they also have a, a, they've got a whole European bloc now uh, in with them as well. So all the politicians in Europe are also members of this one organization running the world. This organization, too, the CFR, it's comprised as well of lots of politicians too, bureaucrats, uh, special envoys, that kind of class, 
and a lot of them too have been in MI6 in Britain, uh, CIA, CSIS Canada. It's all one big happy family that run uh, what you think is your country. And they certainly do have their plans because it's a hierarchical structure. They do not believe in democracy. Even in their own books, they will tell you they're non-political. They don't play politics. They simply run agendas, you see. That's why they can say they don't play politics. They run agendas. The whole American agreement for integration was drafted up by the Council on Foreign Relations, and they came out openly on Canadian television at the time and admitted it as such under their own banner for the first time that they drafted up the free trade negotiations, then after negotiations for further integration. And some of their members a few years ago, 2005, thought it was a great idea to, to join completely, just like Europe, and then compete with Europe. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Back in the, the 80s, the, they were going on about the free trade negotiations and free trade association, as they called it at the time. Again, a Council on Foreign Relations draft that the politicians were promoting for the same idea of a, a European-type American continent basically run by a central government. And they talked about Montreal at the time even being picked for a new capital for the Americas. And then that was quietened down because of a little uproar that happened here and there. And they went ahead regardless, of course, with it. Then they had the NAFTA agreements and how wonderful that would be for everyone. Jobs, 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 etc. And uh, same ideas they played out in Europe to, to join the European Union. Jobs, jobs, jobs. You'd be left behind if you don't join all that stuff. I mean, we're so much better off today as we're being bankrupted and plundered and uh, your tax money is not only getting taken away from your essential services, it's going across the seas and everywhere else to help other countries, apparently. So it, you're, you're lied at every single turn. You just constant lies because they, they have to lie to you at the top. They call it the noble lie. That's the official term they use. The sheeple can't manage the truth, you see. You'd stand up and say, wait a minute here, how will we fare if all these things go through? How will we personally fare? And if you'll notice, too, all your news now is international. It's meant to keep your mind off yourselves and even trying to get you all hot and bothered about other countries and what's happening there. While they rush ahead at home with the same old agendas of integration, making you poorer, etc., etc., well, they had another meeting again. They have these meetings every year with the politicians, the, the heads of state, as they call it, of the U.S., Canada, Mexico. I didn't me- mention Mexico this time, but I'm sure it was involved too because it's an official NAFTA meeting with Obama and Harper from, uh, from Canada. And it says, Harper-Obama agreed to integrate the border, creating security and trade perimeter. Now, that's not new news. They already did that already. So whatever they were really up to is something far beyond that. But it says here uh, that um, Obama and Prime Minister Stephen Harper attend a joint news conference in the Eisenhower Executive Office building in Washington, February the 4th, 2011. It says um, 
Harper and U.S. President Barker seeking a, a sweeping deal, a sweeping deal to establish a North American security and trade perimeter opening talks Friday that could lead to jointly operated Canada-U.S. border facilities. Well, they already have that. They've integrated even taxation and stuff, uh, and they're sharing customs duties, etc. This is and an integrated entry-exit system to track travelers and the deployment of cross-designated law enforcement officers to intercept terrorists and criminals. It means literally that the U.S. can send their boys up into Canada after whomever they wish, I suppose. That's what that means. Deployment of cross-designated law enforcement officers to intercept terrorists and criminals. And you should be very, very careful when governments go ahead with any big martial law plan, which they've already done since 9-11, of course. That was their, they needed this plan, of course. They needed this to happen. They couldn't have done all of this without that plan. In fact, I watched something uh, about Germany and the Reichstag fire. The Reichstag fire was the reason that they clamped down on Germany. And in the documentary, the narrator is obviously trying to get you really angry about Germany and, and how they, they, they listened to and wiretapped everyone and, and, and opened everyone's mail and watched everybody. We are way beyond that level, way beyond that level since 9-11. I've given up all your rights too, same thing. And people don't, they don't see the similarities in anything at all. They, they just don't see it because the same excuse was used in Germany. Anyway, I wonder what, wonder what happened there, didn't we? So anyway, it says here, Harper touted the plan is vital to both the safety and prosperity of Canadians, huh? even as critics expressed concerns a future agreement with the U.S. could compromise the nation's sovereignty. This is the same stuff I read for years as they integrated Europe together from the British side. Same stuff. It says, this declaration is not about sovereignty. We're, we are sovereign, ter- sovereign countries who have the capacity to act as we choose, he says. Uh, and it says, it's in Canada's interest to work with our partners in the U.S. to ensure that the borders are secure and ensure that we can trade and travel across them as safely and as openly as possible within the context of our different laws. And that is what we're trying to achieve here. Well, they were, they were crossing fine and going back and, and trade was just booming uh, before 9-11 happened and they clamped down on everything. It says, the ambitious border declaration, it says, the product of several months of behind-the-scenes preliminary work, it's all done by bureaucrats, these guys get together and sign it, foresees the most significant changes in the Canada-U.S. border relationship since the North American Free Trade Agreement. Obama hailed the plan as a logical step for two countries. They don't tell you what's really, really all the nitty-gritty what it's about, do they? Just hail it's wonderful and it's marvelous and all that. And then the U.S. president said he expected Harper to be very protective of Canadian values. I wonder what they are now. Just as I would be very protective of the core values of the United States throughout the upcoming negotiations. Uh, Canada and the U.S. are not going to match up perfectly on every measure with respect to how we balance uh, security issues, privacy issues, and openness issues. But we match up more than probably any country on earth, Obama said. By the way, I mean, we've been sharing each other's bank account records with, with the secret services for years now. We're all integrated that way as well. I mean, all this stuff here is pablum. I'd like to know what the real stuff, what they're really signing into. So, it says they intend to pursue a perimeter approach to security by tracking potential threats before they reach North America while eliminating many of the hurdles that currently slow the flow of people and goods at the Canada-U.S. border itself. That's all the X-raying of your cars and groping of people and stuff like that, I guess. But they're still trying to get this stuff clear. Uh, past type idea through uh, that came out in 1998 before 9-11 happened where you'd be an authorized goody two-shoes citizen 
and cleared on every level, and then you could pass. You understand that this is really a class system now. That's what we're going into of, of passes, who can travel, who can't travel, who's going to get a, a hassle trying to travel, and so on. That's really what it's about. Because, you see, in this new world order, you have to be politically correct on every single level, a team player, etc., etc., the type of bureaucrat that would survive in Orwell's 1984, where they can give you new meanings for things and you immediately part them because you're good. You're a good citizen, you see. Anyway, says the two leaders envision the creation of an integrated Canada-U.S. entry-exit system that allow border agents in both countries to exchange information. They're already doing that. They said that last year. So what's this nonsense, eh? didn't even draft up a, a new spiel for the public here. They just used last year's script. So that documented entry into one country serves to verify exit from the other country. Oh, what a lot of nonsense. What have they, what have they really signed, I wonder? And we, will we even get access to seeing it? Do you know that the, the last negotiation, the free trade negotiations actually, are sealed for the next 30 years? They only put a 600-page report out of thousands of pages. The rest of them went underground outside Ottawa in a vault, sealed. Well, that means, you see, if you saw what was in it, you would not be happy. That's why they hide these things and seal them under the Official Secrets Act. Of course, we we have democracy here. Well, they, well, they sign everything in secret and, and bury the real stuff for 30 to 40 to 50 years. And they tell you to to be supportive of Egypt's uh, popular uprising by all the color the color NGOs that's what we call them now color NGOs that are funded by the big foundations professional agitators and so on and be all concerned about Egypt all of a sudden people weren't even thinking of Egypt people only think about what they're told to think about and when they go overboard about it you know darn well they want you to be why should you be concerned about what's happening in Egypt when you can't even have a say in your own country as to what's happening? The price of food is escalating. The dollar is being devalued. They call it, of course, a quantitative easing rather than inflation. Sounds better. And we're getting integrated into one big uh, plantation for the Americas. As they say themselves, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. That's what's happening. But no, be concerned about Egypt. Egypt is a setup. It's been set up for ages to fall now. To fall now. They sent envoys from the U.S. to, to Egypt to Mubarak ages ago, years ago, asking him if, if he'd leave. Now, talking about food too, um, even even that front group, the United Nations, this, this very politically correct organization, again, a front for the the very institution I'm talking about, the CFR, and the guys behind it, the Rockefellers and foundations that set it up. It says, food costs at record levels. It says, UN warns of volatile era. Well, they want rationing to come in. You see, that's why it's going to be just going up on the... Why, when one country, when you can't protect your own food supply because they've taken all the laws to restrict foreign imports from dumping cheap stuff on you, when you can't even guarantee your farmers the, the right wages and so on, uh, the small guys all go under. You're left with the big agri-farmers, and they will export your food out of the country, much like what happened in the Soviet era when they d- took down the Ukraine, when they exported the, the food abroad for sale and let the Ukrainians die. All part of a plan, of course. 
you must always protect your own domestic food supply. It's essential. Air, water, food, shelter, clothing, huh? heat. So anyway, it's up for the seventh month in a row that the UN closely watched the UN and Food and Agricultural Organization Food Price Index on Thursday as it touched its highest since records began in 1990 and topped the peak of 224.1 in June 2008 during the food crisis of 2007-8. The new figures clearly show that the upper pressures on world food prices is not abating. These high prices are likely to persist in the months to come. The FAO economist and grains expert uh, said in a statement, hammering home the points, the UN World Food Programme's executive director, Josetti uh, Sheeran, said weather-related problems and a backdrop of rising prices were ominous, he says. So it's going to skyrocket. And as, as I say, it's because they put your, your food up on this big bubble stock exchange thing where they can that the highest bidder gets it. And, of course, you can hold it back, too, to get the price up and then dump it again. Back with more after this. Hi, folks. We're back. This is Cutting Through the Matrix. In Canada, they're introducing pay-as-you-go meters for your internet use. So this is the start of here in Canada. This is really the trial balloon to see how people react, I suppose, and how Canadians will react to it. If they react in the proper way, of course, they'll introduce it elsewhere too. But it says pay-as-you-go meters will see internet users charge per gigabyte. And uh, it says we're being accustomed to receiving unlimited access to the internet for a set monthly payment. But all that's a change in Canada the next month when people will have to pay for what they use with a new metering system. The go-ahead for pay-as-you-go came last September when Canada's Radio Telecommunications Commission ruled Bell Canada could implement the new system. So they gave them the go-ahead to do it. Bell, the country's largest telecommunications company, has now decided to take advantage of the decision, which means that instead of a flat fee, subscribers will pay for content per gigabyte. Furthermore, there will be a limit to how much data can be downloaded. Uh, It says the Canadian Internet subscribers are to be charged by the gigabyte for content, meaning prices will rise while data download limits are reduced. Hmm, Interesting, eh? Um... It says uh, advocates of the new system argue the measures are unlikely to affect most people. Well, that's nonsense because eventually, you know darn well, they always lower their standards and lower their standards to make sure that you're, once you get a few megabytes, that'll be enough to, to kick it off. This is only those who constantly stream video and music at the moment, supposedly. The system will mean higher bills for both Bell subscribers and those using other internet service providers. As democracy, you get really freedom of choice in Canada, and that's really what democracy is all about. It's about eliminating all competition for monopolization. That's really the definition. And I hope the Egyptians are listening to this too, because we've never had democracy in the West. It's a big con. That's why the rich are getting richer, and the, and the masses of poor getting poorer all the time. It says, uh, this is because although the ISPs uh, provide the last mile of access for customers, they too will have to shoulder a higher burden by linking to Bell Network. Internet service providers have been publishing the new data plans, and their advised charges have met with a barrage of criticism. 
Well, they can criticize all they want, but we have no alternative here. Bell pretty well is a monopoly for Canada. And of course, the, there's other, organ, uh, other companies which uh, buy off Bell to put up their own uh, different services, but and, and really Bell's at the top, and that's just the way it is. So it mentions a couple other ones too. It says that on March the 1st, tech savvy members face a new monthly usage cap, usage cap of 25 gigabytes. Substantially down from the 200 gigabytes or unlimited deals it could offer before. And that's what they do, as I say. They keep going down and down and down until you're paying for everything. And Canadians are very good. That's why they've kicked it off here because Canadians are, are very passive. They don't look up from eating the grass much except to watch the sports, then back down again. And that's why they've chosen Canadians to, to, as I say, try this trial balloon, this, this red balloon and see how it flies. And I can't see any, any problem with it, to be honest with you. It'll go quite easily. Now, the EU Commission in Britain, well, it's the whole of Europe now, this big new Soviet, and that's what ex-members of the Soviet are calling it, by the way, the new Soviet. EU Commissioner wants to fund supergrid with euro bonds. They want to get one massive electrical supply across the whole continent, and it'll be owned, of course, eventually by one big company. That's the way things go in democracy. EU leaders meeting in Brussels are discussing the conditions for expanding Europe's internet electrical market. In an interview, European Energy Commissioner Gunther Ottinger of Germany discusses his vision for Europe and proposes what might be a surprising method for financing the ambitious project. They're going to sell off bonds for it, apparently. And that, no doubt, will be bought up. Most of the stock will be bought up by one person, probably. It's happened in the past. Uh, like the Rothschilds, for instance, and uh, and over the years, the rest will sell off the stock, and he'll buy the rest, and that'll be that, a good monopoly on all electrical supply. Power is going to be incredible in the future for, for those guys who own it, the few, the very few who actually own it. And it's interesting, at the same time, Germany's economy minister wants to see a further tightening of the environment ministry's plans to cut solar power incentives and sources in the government told Reuters on Friday, but there was no agreement in talks on Friday between senior officials from the economy minister and environment ministry. It sounds exactly like the Soviet system, eh? And that's how Britain is too, itself. You have economy ministers and ministry of this and ministry of that. It's like commissars. It says the economy ministry wants to have solar power production switched off when the grid is overloaded on sunny days. A government official said the ministry would also like to see a greater July the 1st, 2011 reduction in incentives. There's an incredible rip-off going on because it's such a, uh, so much money being thrown at that, tax money being thrown at it, that anyone can, can apply basically for these grants and go ahead pretending to create uh, solar power or wind power or whatever else you want to do. It's just a great, great racket right now. Anything green is a fantastic racket. They throw cash at you and uh, there you go. Now, Germany already complained about uh, this massive road they want to link across the whole of Europe right through Germany. So the latest plan is this, to get past all the protesting. It says, Tunnel Trumps the Bridge, Denmark's to build underwater link to Germany. Denmark wants to build a tunnel under the Fermarn Belt. That's a fer- the Fermarn, Fermarn, I guess they call it, Fermarn. Built 18 kilometers straight between Germany and Denmark at a cost of over 5 billion euros. 
The project took a big step toward, forward on Tuesday when the Danish parliament agreed to move ahead with the plans. So they're going to link everybody by tunnels and roads and all the rest of it. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. This following article, remember all those articles I put up to all the topics I cover are covered. I, I put them up, uh, the links up at cuttingthroughmatrix.com at the end of every night. So you can always look them up for yourself. And there's an article I'm going to read here, and I'll leave it to you to spot what's missing from it. But it says, 20 reasons why it's kicking off everywhere. It's kicking off everywhere. He's talking about all the protesting. And this is from BBC. And it says, we've had revolution in Tunisia. Egypt's Mubarak is teetering in Yemen. Uh, Jordan and Syria suddenly protests have appeared and Ireland young techno-savvy professionals are agitating for a second republic and France, the youth from Ban Luis, battled police on the streets to defend their retirement rights of 60-year-olds. In Greece, striking and rioting have become a national pastime and in Britain we've had riots and student occupations that changed the political mood. What's going on? What's the wider social dynamic? Now, it doesn't mention uh, economic crashes and government cutbacks uh, or any of that, and actually in bankruptcies of nations. He doesn't mention this at all. So anyway, he says here, his editors asked him to find out and, and, and do a little study on it. So he met with some different ones from the, the academics who study, studied this, and also he talked to them to find out what else is happening. And so here's, here's the spin they put on it. He says, at the heart of it all are young, healthy, obviously students. Um, westernized, secularized. They use social media as the mainstream media has now woken up to, but this obsession with reporting, they use Twitter, is missing the point of what they use it for. Insofar as there are common threads to be found in these different situations, here's 20 things I've spotted, he says. At the heart of it all is a new sociological type, the graduate with no future. With access to, number two is with access to social media such as Facebook, Twitter and uh, Y-Frog, whatever that is, so they can express themselves in a variety of situations ranging from parliamentary democracy to tyranny. Therefore, truth moves faster than lies and propaganda becomes flammable. Well, who's to say what's the lies and what's the truth? Because I've read reports in the past from the Pentagon where they said they'd set up the trends and the memes and get the people to follow. And that's happening. He doesn't mention this at all, of course, in this article. Uh, it says, they're not prone to traditional and endemic ideologies, such as liberalism, Islamism, fiana uh, feel Catholicism, etc. In fact, hermetic ideologies of all forms are rejected. W- women are very numerous as the backbone of movements. But, well, that's true because uh, they run most of the big, they're the fronts with the NGOs for the big foundations that agitate. And they're well-trained and they're well-educated. Anyway, these women are very numerous as the backbone of the movements. After 20 years of modernized labor markets and higher education access, the archetypal protest leader, organizer, facilitator, spokesperson now is an educated young woman. 
who's incredibly well paid, mind you, by the foundations. That's I added the last part because he, he missed it. Horizontalism has become endemic because technology makes it easy. It kills vertical hierarchies spontaneously, whereas before, with the quintessential experience of the 20th century, was the killing of dissent within movements, the channeling of movements, and their bureaucratization. And it says, the memes. A meme acts as a unit for carrying cultural ideas, symbols, or practices, which can be transmitted from one mind to another through writing, speech, gestures, rituals, or other imitable phenomena. Supporters of the concept regard memes, I call it memes because it's the me generation journey, it pushes it, certainly invented it, as cultural analogues to genes, in that they self-replicate, mutate, and respond to selective pressures. Now, you're starting to say they all seem to know each other on, the, on these networks, and they do, because, as I say, the leaders certainly are all uh, well-organized. These are the same leaders, of course, that were getting pushed through the communist era as well, and trained by the same people who trained them, because they all work for the foundations too, especially in the West. They all seem to know each other. Not only is the network more powerful than the hierarchy, but the ad hoc network has become easier to form. So if you follow somebody from the UCL occupation on Twitter, as I've done, you can easily run into a radical blocker from Egypt or a lecturer in peaceful resistance in California who mainly does work on Burma. So then there are the Burmese tweets to follow. During the early 20th century, people would ride hanging on the undersides of train carriages across borders just to make links such as these. Now it's so easy, right? The specifics of economic failure, the rise of mass access to university-level education is a, is a given. Mass access to university-level education is a given. Where? Where? It says maybe soon even 50% in higher education will not be enough. In most of the world, this is being found, uh, funded by personal indebtedness. So people are making a rational judgment. Listen to this. People are making a rational judgment to go into debt so they will be better paid later. Is that rational? However, the prospect of 10 years of fiscal retrenchment in some countries means they know they will be poorer than their parents, and the effect has been like throwing a light switch. This prosperity story is replaced with a doom story, even if for individuals reality will be more complex and not as bad as they expect. The evaporation of a promise is compounded in more repressive societies and emerging markets because even when you get rapid economic growth, it cannot absorb the demographic bulge of young people fast enough to deliver rising living standards for enough of them. And it's not that at all, by the way. It's because everything has become so highly tech, etc., that fewer and fewer folk are needed in the high-tech industry to run things and to run countries, even in organizations. That's a big part of it, too. Plus, there's no factory jobs, etc. They're all owned in China, thanks to the NAFTA and the World Trade Organization and the GATT Treaty. So to amplify, I can't find the quote, but one of the historians of the French Revolution of, 19, of 1789 wrote that it was not the product of poor people, but of poor lawyers that caused the revolution. Eh? You can have political economic setups that disappoint the poor for generations. And that's true, the poor will just carry on as always. But if lawyers, teachers and doctors are sitting in their garrets freezing and starving, you get revolution. Now, in their garrets, they have a laptop, a broadband and a broadband connection. The weakness of organized labor means there's a changed relationship between the radicalized middle class, the poor and the organized workforce. The world looks more like 19th century Paris. Heavy predomination of the progressive intelligentsia intermixing with the slum dwellers at numerous social interfaces such as cabarets in the 19th century, or raves as they are now. 
huge social fear of the excluded poor, but also many rags to riches stories celebrated in the media. And meanwhile, the solid, solaridistic uh, culture and respectability of organized labor is still there, but as in Egypt, they find themselves a, stra- a stage army to be marched on and off this, the scene of history. So it says, at least a loss of fear among the young radicals of any movement. They can pick and choose. There's no confrontation they cannot retreat from. So it's, a, it's like armchair warriors, if you, if you like. They can have a day off from protesting, occupying, whereas with the old working-class-based movements, their place in the ranks of battle was determined, and they couldn't retreat once things started. You couldn't have a day off from the miners' strike if you lived in a pit village, a mining village. In addition to day off, you can mix and match. I've met people who do community organizing one day, and the next are are on a flotilla to Gaza. Then they pop up working for a think tank on sustainable energy. Then they're writing a book about something completely different. I was astonished to find people I've interviewed inside the UCL occupation blogging from Tarrier Tarrier Square this week. They're all over the place, these poor people, students with no cash. eh? They get around. People just know more than they used to. Dictatorships rely not just on the suppression of news, but on the suppression of narratives and truth. More or less everything you need to know uh, to make sense of the world's available is freely downloadable content on the Internet, except for Canada, I should add, and it's not pre-digested for you by your teachers. You think, all oh, that's all true, the stuff that you get on the Internet as well. If most of it came from books that were already censored and put out there with the censored bits in them, they are excluded from them. Uh, then what makes you think when you put it on to e-books that it's any different? Anyway, this this is a spin on it. Of course, they don't mention it, the facts that say that the big foundations uh, fund the agitators, and I'm talking about well-trained armies of them, and and they give them the cash to go to these places and organize. Organize was the key, or an organization was the key of the communist movement, the socialist movement, and it's the same thing with this international socialist movement. Uh, where they get people to think they've got democracy. And, uh, of course, uh, with a bit of luck, they'll end up getting taxed like the rest of us so that money can get taken from them to go and build big um, uh, systems of power, etc., so that the boys can sell them off for peanuts to their private buddies down the road. That's democracy. And then they can help share the wealth that they've created in their country across the rest of the world, as we're doing now as well, as well go down the tubes. That's democracy for you. And, of course, the Pentagon, as I say, has, has released many documents on, and, and Sunstein and others also talked about this, how they create the memes for the rest of the rabble to follow. Uh, it's, it works like a charm, doesn't it? Works like a charm. That's the masses for you. Why on earth are we suddenly directed to Egypt? The one thing about Egypt is it's got the Suez Canal. Look at the history of the Suez Canal. It's astonishing. Israel depends, it's a lifeline for Israel shipping and trade. Essential. When they started it up, the, 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 the French, of course, were the ones who helped to start it up uh, with, with the help of Egypt and uh, the Rothschild families, which was heavily involved in it, the French side of uh, the shares, getting the shares. And then when Benjamin Disraeli was the Prime Minister of Britain, he single-handedly put through the bill uh, that they were going to uh, help to put their shares up for sale as well. It was bought by the Rothschilds solely, and that's in Wikipedia, by the way. And um, and so the, the Rothschild family ended up owning it for 99 years. For all commerce went through, it got taxed heavily. 
amazing. But what the, the great thing about it too was that the British Army was used to protect it at certain times. Of course, the taxpayers of Britain, not bad buying something and then using a nation and their army and the taxpayers to look after it for you. And of course, when they weren't looking after it, the French did the same thing. Uh, their taxpayers paid for it. So it's quite the scams that go on in the world and the public can't figure anything out. They're just told that a popular uprising suddenly started in Egypt. What a lot of collibobbles, as they say. So, tonight too I'm putting up articles to go with this integration of the borders for Canada and America. And to give you a link to the Council of the Americas is one of the names they have. Uh, they also, it's another name for it as well, for Canada and uh, rather well-known newscasters, members of the CFR, uh, run it for Canada, in fact. Since the group was founded in 1965 by David Rockefeller, these are the guys for the CFR who gave you NAFTA, free trade, and all the rest of it, and a group of like-minded businessmen, now listen, as business people, and was made up of some of the richest and most powerful men in the U.S. of America, which included some of Richard Nixon's biggest supporters and personal friends. It was a secretive group initially called Business Group for Latin America, with, now listen to this, with strong ties with the CIA, and since then have exercised great influence on USA foreign policy. Some of the CIA directors used to turn, that's change positions between the CIA, and then they go on to be member companies of the group, and then go back into the CIA. It's all one big happy family. You think you've got private business? I don't think at that level there's such a thing. Alan Dulles, the CIA top director, for instance, was a lawyer with at Sullivan and Cromwell and a member of the board of directors of the United Fruit Company, John McCone. Uh, John McCone, CIA director too, was a member in International Telephone and Telegraph Board of Directors. Harold uh, Geenan, president and chairman of the board of ITT, led the council and had a defining role in the coup against the democratically elected government of Salvador Allende in Chile which has spread doubts about its mentioned intentions of promoting democracy. These are the guys who are pushing this fallacy of democracy across the Americas. The Council of the Americas is now the U.S. section of the 1940-funded North American Business Committee, and its membership has grown to over 200 corporations, including some of the largest U.S. blue-chip companies, which the Council claims represents the majority of those U.S. corporations that have private investments in Latin America. Now, it encompasses, too, the free trade in the Americas. They, they with the Council on Foreign Relations, set, drafted up the free trade area for the Americas. It's got all their different documentation on here. There's links to it. And it gives you all the notable and historical uh, corporate members, and Sullivan and Cromwell, ITT, Ford, Mobile, Standard Oil, Rockefeller Family, American International Group, Chevron, Citigroup, Coca-Cola, GE, uh, General Motors, IBM, Johnson & Johnson, J.P. Morgan Chase, Kissinger McClarty, Associates McDonald's, Microsoft, Pfizer, Philip Morris, Shell International, Time Warner, uh, Toyota, Walmart. And then it's got all the current elite corporate members. So there's even a hierarchy above all them. And it's got all of these big, big groups who are the elite members of it all for this wonderful integration for the Americas, you know, even including Walmart too. It's all in there and all the big old companies are there too. And uh, I'll, I'll put this link up tonight as well for you to peruse and throw rotten eggs at if you so desire. And clean it off your computer after you've finished. 
but watch these these eggs you get now. They're so darn runny. They're all you know, these 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 factory coops they have for the chickens. They're just runny as can be. So be very careful throwing the eggs at your screen tonight. And the UK, uh, they're privatizing everything there. And uh, except the only thing they pri- don't privatize is misery. They don't privatize that yet. Minister confronted by protesters as tempers flare over forest sell-off. And it says, a junior minister had to, a minister really is a politician, elected or put in there otherwise, had to be given police protection after being confronted by angry protesters over coalition plans to privately or privatize publicly owned forests. And uh, commercial forests currently run by Forestry Commission could be sold to private companies such as logging and the energy businesses. Anyway, um, Mike Harper, the conservative politician for the Forest of Dean, was attacked by protesters as he exited a public meeting where he'd been defending the government's plans for a forestry sell-off. He was pelted with eggs by protesters who attacked the police van to try to prevent him leaving. Uh, He accused a number of objectors of being bent on violence and likened them to a baying mob. I don't know if you've ever heard the politicians in Parliament across the two sides, left wing and right wing, yelling at each other. If you want to hear a being mob listening to this law, it's quite comical, it's quite something else. This is a public meeting which took place in Colford in Gloucestershire. On Friday night will be given, uh, will have given the coalition a worrying insight into the growing anger its forest uh, consultation has provoked. One Conservative MP has already warned the sell-off could be the government's poll tax moment. That's when Thatcher was came under fire for the poll taxes, the head taxes. <clears throat> says, under government, government proposals, heritage forests such as the Forest of Dean, England's largest oak forest, face being transferred out of public ownership, and listen to this now, and placed into the hands of a charitable trust, a foundation, right? Another charitable trust foundation, tax-free. But then they can sell that off from the charitable trust, it says. Commercial forests run by the Forestry Commission could be sold to private companies such as logging and energy businesses. And I'll read the rest of us when I come back from this break. We're back and we're cutting through the matrix. And just before I go to the caller, uh, I'll just mention that uh, James Jeffrey, who is the U.S. ambassador to Iraq, just announced that the U.S. military forces are going to stay um, uh, past their deadline this year and go on into the following year and probably a few years down the road too. So that's been announced once again. Uh, Miguel in New York. Are you there, Miguel? Miguel, actually. How are you doing, Alan? Not so bad, yeah. How are you doing? Uh, I, um, it's getting to the... I'm 27, and I live here in New York, the, propag- the propaganda city of the world, and it's, I've noticed that I've pretty much become a loner in life. Yeah. Like, no one seems to understand what I'm trying to tell them. Everyone's, oh, my heart goes out to the, the revolt in Egypt, in, in Egypt, and I'm trying to tell them, like, did you hear what Henry Kissinger said the other day on Bloomberg TV? Which actually is not a coincidence, seeing the fact that Bloomberg is a Bilderberg member. Sure. Oh yeah. So they're all in the same. They all. All he's doing is just telling his. He's just telling the people what's going on, 
when you said this was the first scene, the first scene of an act of a dramatic play, it mm-hmm. pretty much hit me because that's when I realized I was like, wow, this they had their hands in this too. That's right. It's yeah. you know when you you said it a lot, but it's actually when you start realizing yourself that you're all alone, mm-hmm. and it's getting to the point that I'm pretty much I. I'm pretty much have to watch what I say around people. Yeah. Because I don't know. It's, I even try to tell people. Everyone believes the same thing. All oh, the news has to tell you what's going on, and mm-hmm. no matter how many times I try to tell people, listen, nobody. You better look out for yourself. You know, yeah. nobody pays attention. Only if you want to care about it. So, look at the commercials for the Super Bowl. Look at this. Look at that. Mm-hmm. Even though the yeah. game was rigged. Even though the game was. Even though the game was rigged. Mm-hmm. All those games are, but. Yeah, the, the mass man, unfortunately, wants to get back to being the complete mass man again. They've only had individuality for a couple of hundred years. People don't realize that. And most of them don't want it. They seem to be happy in crowds or all pushing some cause for some other thing they don't understand when they don't even have rights at home. I mean, it's, it's just astonishing how you can lead the mob and the masses into into getting the agenda through for for the big boys at the top who plan, they call this positive change, and uh, they call it in academia, and you can read the plans for that whole region, to Yemen, everything, uh, they printed up years ago, they would bring in this, this, this push for change using soft power, they call it, that's the NGOs they fly in, and that's what we're living through now, and these idiots that help them on Twitter and so on, yapping about democracy, better get it in their own countries and find out what it really means before you push it on someone else. Yeah. Oh, but look, everyone wants to be democratic. This, this, uh, here in, the, in America, everyone wants to talk about, oh, the democratic this, democratic that. But mm-hmm. then when, you tell, when I tell people, Did you, you know that this dictator was put in power yeah. in America, everyone, nobody wants to believe me. Oh, yeah, and it's there. It's in all the books and all the history books. They put them in power. Uh, Israel signed all the deals with them. Um, Israel loves them because Mubarak's wife is Jewish, and uh, so they have no qualms with them at all. And uh, one of the top uh, uh, leaders from the U.S. was sent an envoy over on behalf of Obama, anyway, and he met with Mubarak to try to dissuade him uh, and say, just just step down quietly. That was months ago, and uh, he wouldn't do it. So. This envoy came back and he, he actually agreed with the guy that he should stay in power because it would be chaos otherwise if he doesn't. So it's all a stage play we're going through with the, the color revolutions. And now you've got Yemen and all the other countries going to split in two and so on. It's all arranged. And these strange poor students that get flown in, they can't afford their tuition apparently, have no problems getting across the world to all these sites for their demonstrations. People should just think about the simple obviousness of such things. Yeah. But they don't. Take care. Thanks for calling in. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your gods go with you.